Good evening, everyone. Um, tonight we're reading from John 5, chapter 5, and verses 19 to 30. Jesus had angered the Jews by healing the sick on the Sabbath and also for claiming equality with God. And so they wanted to kill him. So verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son of God can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as Father, the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to his Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek to please, not to please myself, but him who sent me. Thanks for reading, Joan. So if I haven't met you, my name's Mike, and I'm going to be preaching this evening. So a special welcome to those that have been spending time with us over the weekend at the MTS um, recruit conference down in the hall. Um, the last session of that is actually on uh, this evening after our service. So um, we'd just like to issue an invitation to anyone who is here in the building to feel free to join us at 7.30 to hear um, the, the final Bible talk of that, uh, of that weekend. Uh, so just see me after the service if that's something that interests you. Um, yeah, I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase, like father, like son. And um, over recent weeks, some of you have had the privilege of meeting, seeing, and maybe even hearing my father, Ron, who has been helping out a little bit on the keys. And he's not here tonight, but as it's been pointed out to me a few times, while I may have inherited his hairstyle, and possibly some of his good looks, uh, maybe even a little bit of his humour, uh, I certainly have not picked up any of his musical abilities or talents. You see, there's actually much about 
my father and much that he does that I just simply cannot. And the passage we're looking at today is part of a three-week journey through chapter 5 in the Gospel of John. And it's right here in these central verses that we encounter probably the boldest claims ever made. And they come straight out of the mouth of Jesus himself. You see, these verses form the defense that Jesus gave to the Jewish rulers for the charges that they brought against him. You may remember from last week that Jesus was now being confronted and accused of breaking the Sabbath laws because he healed a man and told him to get up and carry his mat. More than that, Jesus was now being charged for claiming to be God by calling God his own father. Now what Jesus goes on to describe in these verses is a father and son relationship that it's, it's like no other. It's certainly nothing like my relationship with my dad, as good as that is. Here, Jesus makes the clear claim that the father's work is the son's work and that whatever God does, Jesus does. You see, this has huge ramifications for us, indeed for everybody. How we respond to these words of Jesus is quite literally a matter of life and death. At this point, I want to share that in my preparation for today, I've felt an overwhelming sense of inadequacy. And to be honest, this is something I, um, I feel and experience often when I'm preparing to teach from God's word. And this is mainly due to my own deep need for the truth of Jesus. Whatever I have to share with you is what I need to know, hear, and understand for myself. As I read these verses, I'm left in awe of the person of Jesus. My God, my Lord, my Redeemer, my life. You see, I know where Jesus has brought me from. My scars, my tears, my memories testify of the depravity of people and of my own depravity and of the fact that our world is under judgment. But my joy, my deep, deep deep-seated joy in Jesus testifies of eternity that he's placed in my heart so that I, along with every single person who has heard the words of Jesus and believed that he is God, have crossed over from death to life for eternity, no longer under judgment. It's my hope and prayer for all of us here this evening that as we hear the words of Jesus now, we will all believe and share this same testimony. So keep your Bible open if you have one. I'm going to speak to Jesus now. 
Lord Jesus, as we come to your words now, I humbly ask you as your servant, Lord, speak to me and through me now. Lord, may our time together this evening be to your glory. May all of us hear your voice, believe that you are God, and live. Amen. So Jesus gave them this answer. Our passage starts. This isn't working. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. You see, after it's made clear that everyone present has understood the previous words that Jesus spoke, as a claim to be equal to God. Jesus now had the perfect opportunity to clarify exactly what he was saying. He could have responded right now with a, whoa, 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 guys, settle down. I'm not saying that I'm equal to God. I'm just saying I'm an obedient servant of his. But he didn't say that. Note firstly that the defence Jesus gives and the claims that he makes about himself are bookended by verses 19 and verse 30, both statements about obedience, the obedience of Jesus to his Father. The Son loves the Father and he is obedient to his will. The claims that come in between these two verses are the outworking of this relationship between father and son. The perfectly obedient son is perfectly entrusted with all things. In verse 19, the word whatever can equally be translated as everything. So whatever God does, everything God does, Jesus does. If there were any Jews surrounding him that weren't angry before, They certainly were now. Jesus had doubled down. He is now saying that the Son is Yahweh, the Lord, in the flesh. Can you see the claim that's being made here? And the book of John, the whole book, is written for this purpose. John tells us that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You see, John makes this purpose very clear from the very beginning of his gospel account. The very first verse presents this eternal father and son relationship in a very powerful way. In the beginning was the word, Jesus And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then moving forward to verse 14, we read, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Can you see now how the claims of Jesus in John chapter 5 are exactly what John's pointing to here? Jesus is the exact representation of God. This is John's version of what Jesus is telling us. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He's made him known. You see, if you see Jesus, you see God. And everything that God does, Jesus does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. You know, there's a few things that only God can do. The rest of our time together is going to be looking at this work, this work of the Father that shared, not only shared, but handed to and entrusted to the Son. Jesus is the one who does God's work because he is God. There's three truths for us to grapple with in this passage. Only Jesus is the source of life. Only Jesus is the judge of humanity. And only Jesus is worthy of our worship. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. In the Old Testament, raising the dead was the work of God. And only God. Back in 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a Syrian general, a guy named Naaman, and he had leprosy. Naaman went along to see the king of Israel to seek healing. Only the king was not in the healing business. The king's response to Naaman was, am I God? Am I God? Can I kill and bring back life? You see, unlike that king, Jesus says, I am God. I can kill and I can bring back life. When Jesus said he would show us greater things than his miracles, surely raising the dead is what he had in mind. Not long after this, he raised his friend Lazarus from the grave and he'd been buried for days and there was a greater resurrection to come. Moreover, I wonder what could be moreover than raising the dead. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son. You see, Jesus is the judge of all the earth. In verse 23, we see the outcome. And the outcome is that all may honour the Son. So the pattern goes like this. Jesus does everything God does. He gives life. He takes life. He judges. He saves. So that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. You see, he who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Here Jesus says that he doesn't just do the works of God, but he's also worthy of the honour of worship that belongs to God alone 
Think again of the Old Testament. Wherever we, wherever we look in the Bible, God is jealously guarding the worship of his people. He forbade them to worship any other gods, any angels, any idols, any images, any people other than himself, the one true God. Now here comes Jesus and he says, worship me. As you honour God, honour me. So make no mistake about it, Jesus is the man who clearly says, worship me. If he's not God, the Jews were right. He was a terrible blasphemer. And he deserved to die. But if he was right to say, worship me, then he is God. Not just, not a God, not one of many, not a high angel, not a semi-divine being from the Marvel Universe or something, but God, the one true God. Jesus leaves us no room to call him a great teacher, but not God. Jesus literally said, worship me. And if he's not God, then he's not a great teacher at all. But if he really is the great teacher, then he is indeed God, because we can trust his words. He does everything God does, and he deserves the worship of God, because he is God. Do you believe this? Now, what does all this mean for us today? It means that our relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in our lives. And how we respond to Jesus is a matter of life and death. So I wonder, it's right to ask, how do you respond to Jesus? How do we respond? to Jesus. I encourage you to ask yourself this question and to know the answer. The following verse, verse 24, it's a good one to memorize. And whenever I read it, tears well up. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You see, I heard these words when I was under judgment and deserving of death. I believed them to be true. I believe Jesus to be exactly who he says he is. And I continue to believe that only Jesus can take us from judgment and death and bring us into eternal life. I'm not alone. This is the testimony of the church, of all of God's people for all time. And here at EPC, Jesus is our God. Only Jesus is the source of life. Only Jesus is the judge of humanity. And only Jesus is worthy of our worship. Look what we learn from these verses. We learn that salvation comes from listening to God's, to Jesus, listening to Jesus' words. 
Forget the idea you can figure out for yourself how to find fellowship, some magical fellowship with God, how to, how to have a perfect relationship with God. Forget the idea that you have the truth somehow deep inside you or that you can find it in nature or in a human man-made religion or philosophy. You see, God reveals himself everywhere. But if you want to know how to live, you want to know how to have eternal life, there's only one thing to do. And that's to listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus is God, and when he speaks, God speaks. The second thing we learn is that eternal life comes from believing the Father who sent the Son. The Father's word says that apart from Christ, we are lost, guilty, hopeless sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we read in Romans. Later, the wages of sin is death. God says that Christ came to die the death we deserved to give his life a ransom for many. It's in Mark chapter 10. God says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father. And if we believe him, we have eternal life. It's that simple. Notice that the one who believes has eternal life, not will have, though that is also true and important. It says here that we have it now. You know, if you believe Jesus, you're saved already, now. You can be sure of that because God says so. Salvation is in the past tense. Notice how the verse goes on to emphasize that they, he will not be judged. He's crossed over from death to life. We know we're secure for the future and for all eternity because of what has already happened. The decisive moment of salvation has already taken place in the perfect work of the Father and the Son. You see, we have crossed over and we can't go back. For once we've crossed over, we know that at no time in the future will we ever come into condemnation and judgment. Once we believe Jesus, we're saved forever. And the matter is settled for all eternity. Eternal life begins with believing in Jesus. You may remember earlier in the year when we were looking at the book of Revelation, there's two resurrection events that are referred to. The first one is this, what we're talking about now, the crossing over from death to life. Once we hear the voice of Jesus and believe, spiritual life begins. Life with Jesus begins. Now the following verses come to us as a warning. If you don't rise from the dead now, you'll certainly do it later, but in a very different way. 
Look at verses 28 and 29. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming. It's another time. There's another time coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus isn't just repeating himself here. This is a different event. Verse 25 is about today. Us, people who believe in Jesus, crossing into life. Verse 28 is speaking about a future time. But the pattern's similar. It's the voice of Jesus that calls. Again, there's a resurrection, but it's different. While the first resurrection, believers rise to new life in Christ, in the second resurrection, everyone, everyone rises to judgment. This judgment is by works. Those who have done good will live. Those who have done evil will be condemned. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to wait to that day. I know not everything I've done is good. And I, I, I'm pretty sure no one can make that claim. For those of us who have been through this first resurrection and we know we have life in Christ, we will not be condemned. You see, if you believe in Jesus, you have nothing to fear about this last day. We don't fear death. So how do you respond to Jesus is the question. Because only Jesus is the source of life. Only Jesus is the judge of humanity. And only Jesus is worthy of our worship. In closing, just allow me to make one last observation here. Jesus is one with his Father. Jesus' work is identical to the Father's work. Notice here in this whole passage that Jesus does not take up the language of equality with God, even when the Jewish authorities are using it against him. Why is that so? You see, equality with God is something that people look for. It's what Adam and Eve craved in the garden. It's something that a rebellious child looks to have. The famous parable that Jesus tells of the prodigal son, a guy that just wants all his father's possessions and to be, have everything he can ever get from his father and take off. The rebellious child seeks equality with the father. You see, Jesus is neither Adam, nor is he a rebellious son. Jesus does not count equality with God, which he had already, as something to be grasped. Look at how the work of Jesus is presented in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to close by reading this. 
in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient all the way to death, even death on a cross. Do you see what Jesus has been saying? The Jews are saying to him, hey, you're claiming to be equal to God. And Jesus is responding by saying, if only you could see who I am, I'd live. While people are trying desperately to attain equality with God, Jesus is the one who made himself equal to us. He entered our helpless state and he did what we could not do. He perfectly obeyed the Father. And he did that by paying the price for our disobedience. The story doesn't end there, though, does it? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this is our God. Do you know him? Father, thank you. And I praise you. We praise you for what you have done by raising your son, Jesus. We thank you for the life that we have in his name. We praise you because his name is placed above every other name. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we lift your name high. We ask that you would be glorified in us as your people, as we walk through a world imperfect. I pray, Lord, that you will show us how we can rejoice in our sadness and sufferings and hold on to the joy that we have in eternal life with you. I pray this in your perfect name. Amen.